Okay, well, let me, let me pray before we begin, and then um, we'll uh, get to the uh, confessions and catechism. Father God, we would ask you this morning that by your grace you would enlighten our mind with a view of changing our heart, for we are people uh, who are a work in progress, and we thank you, Father God, that we have been perfected in Christ. But, Father God, we still live in a fallen world which we have to deal with much. We ask for your grace upon us with our understanding and our patience that we would understand this Westminster Larger Confession with great grace and favour and understand its benefit to us as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we are on uh, questions 122 uh, to 136. And the context, if I can sort of address it broadly, um, is to understand it in the context of relationship. So the two commandments that these questions cover are uh, the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and mother. And as many of you will know, that commandment goes with a promise that your life will be long in the land, repeated in Ephesians um, and emphasized in Ephesians that this is a commandment and attached to the commandment, it has this promise. Then the sixth commandment, which makes up question 134, is thou shalt not kill. And what I would like to do is try and understand why is it necessary to understand that the sixth commandment follows the fifth commandment. Now, if you know what we're, uh, the sermon is this morning, you will also understand that in Timothy, or at least in the first section of Timothy, these things are raised. So, we begin with honour your father and mother. We sort of end this morning with thou shalt not kill. And the question is, how do they relate? But let me first deal with some of the language that is used in the Westminster Larger Confession. For instance, we have language like inferiors and superiors. In what sense are parents superior? And in what sense are children inferior? And it really has to do with wisdom and maturity. Now, we all know that we are made in the image of God. Um, we are all the same in that sense. However, there is a difference when it comes to time and age and maturity and understanding. And therefore, children must never believe that they know something that their parents don't know. Now, that may be true perhaps in some areas, but when it comes to life and wisdom, mums and dads have already been there before. They were once a child, and then they became an adult, and then they had children. And because of that, God gave them both wisdom and understanding, uh, which children, as you children and my children, don't yet have. And so they learn from their mum and dad. Now, the best way to learn from your mum and dad is always to honor them. That is to respect them and to put them first after God. Now, of course, as your mum and dad love God, they show you what it means to be faithful to God. And one of the things it means to be faithful to God is to be faithful to your mum and dad as well. Now, of course, the definition of a father and mother in scripture is not just biological, but it is this spiritual oversight. So you can have these spiritual oversight mothers and fathers in the fellowship. Now, what I want you to understand as we sort of, as I skip through this quickly, I want to get to what it means to understand this in the context of relationship. 
And the reason being is because Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments in the following way. He says, you shall love, your, <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these, the two commandments depend on all, sorry, on these commandments depend on all the laws and the prophets. Now, what you find here is that Jesus has purposely taken 10 commandments and, and has told us how he wants us to understand them. The first four are in relationship to God. The second four are in relationship to each other as we are in relationship to God. Now, why does that matter? Well, because there's one simple phrase that I want you to remember, and then it's this, that relationship defines how you relate. Okay, the relationship defines how you relate. So because of who God is, I have to relate to God in a certain way. God is the creator and I am the creature. Therefore, because of that relationship, I now begin to understand how I am to relate. Okay, husband and wife. Because of the relationship, once you understand the type of relationship that that is, you then begin to understand how you're meant to relate, how a husband is to relate to his wife and how a wife is to relate to her husband, okay? So the relationship shapes and defines how you are to relate. Now, children, honor your father and mother. The first thing you have to do to understand what it means to honor your father and mother is understand what a mother and father is. You need to understand the relationship. And in the same way, but slightly different, they, by God's grace and blessing, brought you into the world. You are a creation of them. Now, of course, God creates all, but God created you through your parents. And the blessing that that brings to you is that that establishes a relationship whereby you now understand that they are the more mature, they are the more wise, they have live the life that you have not yet lived. And so the reason you honor and respect them is because, is because they really do know what's best for you as long as your mum and dad is faithful to God. Now, of course, here, mums and dads are faithful to God and they will continue to be faithful to God. And that's why as children, we can be absolutely confident to keep trusting dads, to keep trusting mums. Now, where does this go wrong? Well, it goes wrong uh, in a couple of areas. And that is that parents have responsibilities for their children, and children also have responsibilities. So I'm going to try and give you an example of why this relationship is important. Now, imagine, just imagine for a moment that um, I don't, I know some of you well, um, a little bit better than others, but there's some of you that I still have to get to know a lot more. So let me, if I can just pick on Joel for a moment, if that's okay. And I would say, Joel, I'd like to think of you as this type of person. And I reel off five or six things. And Joel could be sat there thinking, well, Daniel doesn't know me at all. He's just choosing to relate to me in the way that he wants to. He wants to think about me in this way, and then he will relate to me in that way, but that's not who I am. So it's really important that you know who the person is in order to know how you are to relate to that person. 
So one of the things that children learn is not just to honor your mother and father, children have to get to know who their mum and dads are. Who is my dad? What is my dad like? Who is my mum? What is my mum like? I have to, because if I don't know who they are, I could end up thinking, well, I can talk to my dad this way. Well, you can't, you know, if it's not a nice way, because my dad is not, a, not any person. He's a very important person. And what about mums? I can't talk to my mum in any way that I like because my mum's a very important person. So in order for us to honor our mother and father, even us who are older, it really does matter that we know who they are as God has told us who they are. They're your parents. And parents have responsibilities. And only when I know that can I understand what it means to truly honor my mother and father. So remember this, we are not allowed to think about people in any way that we want. So let me give you an illustration. Who remembers the story of the golden calf? And do you remember the Moses goes up onto the mountain, he's receiving the Ten Commandments, but the people down below become impatient and they began to create a God after an image that they are used to. But what they say, interestingly, if you listen to the conversation, is that they don't believe that the golden calf is a new God. They actually say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. What mistake are they making? Well, the mistake that they're making is they want to think about God in their own way. It's not that they were denying God directly, but rather they were wanting to think about God in their own way. And that's where we always go wrong in relationships. And the way commandments work, you've heard me say this last time, you're gonna hear me say it again in the, communion, in the uh, sermon because it's so important, is that commandments are boundary lines. They're like the lines on a tennis court. If you stay within them, there's so much pleasure, there's so much joy, you get to enjoy what you're doing. But the moment no one pays any attention to the lines, the boundary lines on the tennis court, you ever played tennis with someone and they say, no, it was an out, right? And they keep saying, no, that's not out. And after a while, it's not fun to play with them anymore, is it? It's like so annoying because the, the fun disappears and the freedom of the game disappears because suddenly there's no boundary lines. And so boundary lines are not restrictive. They actually lead to freedom and enjoyment and fun. And the Ten Commandments are exactly the same. They are boundary lines of freedom, the type of freedom of relationship you have. But the moment we go wrong in relationship is because we don't know who the person is, and that leads to not knowing how to relate to them, or we do know who they are, but then we begin to think about who we want them to be in our own way. So, you know, mums and dads have to think about, well, who is, who is really my wife? What is, who is she really? Not how do I think about her, but how, do I know her? And wives need to look at their husbands and go, well, who is, who is the man that I'm married to? And children, you need to learn who your mum and dad is. And what you will find out is that they love you, they will protect you, and that they are being faithful to God by bringing you here, listening to Bible studies, praying with you, reading books. All of this is because they want to protect you. 
And so here's an image for you children to remember. Have you ever stood on a cliff? Now, I grew up in Cornwall, and there's lots of cliffs. And sometimes you can walk along the cliffs, not so much now because they've closed them off because of erosion, you know, where the cliff starts washing away into the sea. And often there's a fence on the cliff. And that fence protects me from the other side, the long drop the other side. So imagine that fence like honor your mother and father. Okay, so that honor your mother and father is the fence. Now what would happen if I jumped the fence? Yeah, I'm in danger. And so the moment you jump the fence of honor your mother and father, there's nothing good on that side. There's nothing good, it's only harmful. And so the reason why the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, follows the fifth commandment of honor your mother and father is because it is a natural extension to relationship. Don't destroy relationships. And of course, what you'll find in Timothy is that people who were very sinful actually did kill mother and fathers. What did they do? They jumped the fence. And not only did it destroy other people, it actually destroyed themselves. So I want you to remember the commandments, or at least the second half of the commandments, or all of them in this way, that in order for us to be able to relate properly with God and to relate properly with each other, we have to first understand what the relationship is. So let me go through them quickly. God is the creator. We are the creation. Okay. If I am a man and I am married, I am a husband. And the lady is a a wife. Yeah. If we have children, I am a a father. If my, my wife, we have children, me and my wife have children, so my wife is a mother. Okay. And so as my children look up to us, okay, now we understand the relationship. So how do I know what a father is? There's only two ways of knowing. Going to God's word and reading what a father is or listening to my father who tells me what a father is from God's word. How do I know what a mother is? I have to go and listen to God to tell me what a mother is. How do I know what a wife is? I have to go to God's word so that I can know what a wife is. Okay, how do I know what it means to be a child? How do I know what it means to be a a child who honors their mother and father? Well, I have to go to God's word in order for God to tell me what a child is and what it means to honor my mother and father. Because guess what? I don't know. I have to be told. And so the Ten Commandments are beautiful boundary lines that keep us safe. And every time we jump the fence, everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. And most importantly, and we can perhaps get to a few questions if you want uh, off the back of this, is that every time relationship goes wrong, Um, It always goes wrong the moment you decide to treat God not as God, or your father not as a father, or your mother not as a father, or in this case, I'll extend it to husbands and wives, not as who they are. Okay? You're doing exactly the same as what the Israelites did 
when they built the golden calf. You're basically saying, I want to think about you in this way. This is how I like to think about you. And that is not what God wants us to do. He wants us to really understand who these people are so that we can truly understand how we are to relate to them. Does that make sense? Make sense, everyone? So it's a very simple principle, isn't it? That relationship defines how we relate. That when you understand the relationship, understand who it is you're relating to, then it follows that we will then understand how we are to relate to that person. So it's quite obvious, isn't it, that I can't relate to God in the same way I relate to my eldest son, Noah, because Noah's not God, is he? So I can't treat Noah as if he's God, because he's not God. And I cannot treat God as if he's Noah, because he's not. Does that make sense? So it's really important that as we grow up and we learn the catechism, the Westminster Larger Catechism, we understand these commandments that we always remember it's about relationship with God and relationship with our neighbor. Okay, so if you want the reference, you can go to Matthew 22, verse 37 and 40, and that is where Jesus summarizes the commandments. And he does so because he wants us to understand that relationship with God follows to relationship with each other. And when you understand the relationships, you will then keep the commandments as best you can. Now, are there any questions? We can go a little bit further into the, sort of deeper into the catechism if you want, or, yes, Jeremiah. So, if, if you relate to God in the wrong way, yes. then we call that an idol, right? Right. It's a, well, if, if your wife, if you was, were devoted to your wife in a way that you should only be devoted to God, then your wife is an idol. But if you are uh, treating your wife as though she is less than the created image of God, then you are, you are treating her less than the image of God. So there's not necessarily a word, I would say, but you can conjure up the image. That if, if I speak to my children, as though they are not my children, that they are an animal out on the street, that's what I am degrading them to, okay? So they become whatever you are making them through the language that you use. And I'm gonna touch on, in the sermon, it's amazing how this overlaps, because 1 Timothy covers this same section, funnily enough, but there is such a thing known as the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which is really important that teaches us that the type of words we use really do matter. So I'll give you an example. Um, in fact, I can't give you the example because I'm going to be going into my sermon. So I'm not going to give you that example. I'll give you a different one. I, let's think of, think of money. Okay, think of the example of money. Now, some people can speak of money as though it is bread from heaven, that God is, it is a provision from God. It is given to us by God. It is wonderful. But then there are other people in the world who can speak of money in the terms of like wonga or moolah or dosh, okay? And the moment a person uses that type of word, it tells you what they think about money, but it also tells you what, you, what they think about God. 
because they're not using that word as though it's a provision. They're using that word as though it's something to accumulate and profit, in, right? So it really does matter the type of words you use when you're speaking to other people and when you're conveying information because every single word conveys an image. So if you speak, to answer Jeremiah's question, um, in a way towards your wife that you shouldn't do, what you're actually doing is you are creating her in a different image than the image that God has actually made her in. Does that make sense? Scott. On that same topic, um, can you expound on the importance of using titles? For instance, uncle, aunt, son, daughter, yeah. instead of Stephen, Scott, etc. Right. Yeah, so, so for me, that would be important. The difficulty is, is that when I married my wife, Susan, um, in Lancashire, I came from Cornwall. And so your uncle was actually your uncle. And your auntie was actually your auntie. And your grandma was actually your grandma. When I married Susan and I joined in her community and her church, uh, the lady in the church was an auntie. And I'm like, how's, how's that? Everyone's, every woman's an auntie all of a sudden. And while I understand the beauty of it in terms of relationship, at the same time, it's very confusing. So I would say that these titles shape the relationship of a family proper. You know, uh, he, and then of course you have to define uncle on whose, whose side. Um, but I, I think that when you're using a title like uncle or auntie or grandma or granddad or cousin, for instance, you are affirming the family relationship at a wider level. And there is a beauty in that. But you're right, it, is, it tends to disappear. And often, how many generations does it take before you actually know whether or not the person is a first or second cousin, right? It, you, it kind of um, disappears. And of course, on my side, it's my family. That is, I'm one of seven brothers. So now I have nieces and nephews. And of course, there's going to be cousins and so forth to come from that. But my mum was a single child. Um, and so there is no aunties or uncles on her side, you see. Um, can reply, but do you think is our society has become more egalitarian, those titles are left off? Mr. Mrs. or Sir or Ma'am or Aunt or Uncle, because implied in those titles is how you should relate in the relationship. And what's, what's lost is the Yeah. Where he was really wanting to just call me Scott. So I think we need to um, 
Yeah, great, great points. I totally agree. Totally agree. I, I think that even as your children get married, um, and maybe it's just special to me, but my daughter-in-law is on me dad, my son-in-law is on me dad, um, but there's so often in that relationship, they, somebody calls you aren't, it, it's a, just a, or Jennifer, it's, it, 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 it changes the relationship. Certainly, we're equals all on all on the side of God. Right? Those are the infants that will baptize the Sunday, right? She's our brother, she's our sister. Um, he's our brother, he, she's our sister. We get all that, but that's not how you relate to one another. And that's that egalitarianism that plagues our society. Yep. And we see it as it, as it manifests on slightly changing subjects in the fact that we want every relationship. Not to be defined by how we relate, but we want every relationship to be a vending machine relationship. I want my husband to do this, because if he provides for me, he should provide for me like this. I want God to be the vending machine. I want him to give me this. I want my mom to treat me like this, right? I want my dad to treat me like this. And we want vending machines in all our relationships, yep. even your relationships. Yep. Well, I think you ought to do this, because that's what I want you to do. Yeah. And that relates to change done by the strife among them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I mean it, it's quite a simple principle to remember, isn't it? That if you if you understand the person who you're relating to, uh, understand the person that you're in relationship with, then it defines how you are to relate from there on, properly understood. Yeah. So I'd, yeah, I mean it's not it is disappearing and it is sad that it's disappearing. Um yeah. Are there any more, any more points that you think that I haven't covered? I could get a little bit. I want to just give a comment. Yeah. Joshua Nixon's not here, but part of the way, and this is speaking to Scott's point, but in the military, it's clear. Right. right? Yeah. The respect and authority and the ranking. And you might even be brighter, sharper, and solve more problems than your superior officer, but he is the superior, you're the inferior. Yeah. And that respect is due. Yeah. Which is why, if I was invited to the White House, you know, and Biden's not going to invite me, but if I was invited to the White House for Biden or whatever, I didn't vote for him. I don't have respect for him as a person, but because he has that office and God gave him that office, we all all duty, honor, respect to him in that office. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's right. It is. Yeah. And then you've got the, the question of affection. So like you were saying, you can respect a person without having any real affection for them because they're, they're, they're sinfully acting in ways towards you and towards others. Um, and there's a, you extend a love, but there are a, the relationship is, is quite different. You know, what you do out of respect for a person is slightly different than what you do out of affection for a person as well. Even though the love of God trumps everything, nonetheless there are still definitions to be made um, along the line. Can I ask a question now that I think of a statement? So what advice do you have for children that sometimes don't respect their moms or their dads the way they, they should or ought to because 
Yeah. Um, So my my counsel would be would be that we as as people of God and as children of God we do not know what to do unless we ask God. We just don't know what to do. And the only way we can be the person God wants us to be is if we listen to God. Okay? And then this is the best help that as you begin to listen to God, blessings accompany following God. So as we sit down and we learn what it means to honor my father and mother um, and what it means to relate to brothers and sisters and the same between husband and wife, you really have to keep in mind who is this person to God and who is this person to me? Okay, now children, what about when you disobey your mum and dad? Well, I want you to think about it this way. Lines on a tennis court or the, or the fence at the top of the cliff. Every, every time you stay on the right side, there is blessing and there is freedom. Okay? But every time you decide to jump the fence, there's just a long fall. And it's very painful. Okay? And so what is really important that you understand is that God gave a mother and a father to you and then gave you a command to obey your mum and dad because he is doing what is best for you. Because he's looking after, that's how God looks after you. God looks after you by giving you a mum and a dad and by giving you a commandment that tells you to honor your mother and father. So remember that every time you decide not to, not only are you sort of cracking the relationship but what you're actually doing is you're saying, you, I'm treating you differently than who you really are. So children, would you like me to treat you differently than who you really are? Would you, would you, would you, do you want to be loved? Do you want to be respected? Yeah? Do you, do, you want, do, do you boys want me to treat you like young men who are grown up to become big and strong mature men? Yeah, and you girls, do you want me to be the type of pastor that will protect you and tell you, hey, be careful here and be careful there. Yeah? Now imagine if I didn't care, and I didn't care what you did or where you went or what you watched on TV or what you played on the computer or anything like that. That may be, that may sound, well, I'm left alone, but it wouldn't be looking after you, would it? That would be like me not holding my children's hand when we're crossing a busy road. Would that be dangerous? It would be, wouldn't it? Do you think it'd be much safer to hold the children's hand and look both ways? Because do you know what? My children don't look both ways all the time. And I have to do this, and sometimes I don't have enough hands for five children. Just like, hold one another, and then it's like, left foot first, right foot, so that we can all walk across the road instead of spanning it, okay? So you must remember that every time you hear something that sounds like a rule, it may not be a rule. It may be a fence at the top of the cliff that protects you from the long drop the other side. And every time you hear uh, a command, can you do this and not do that? 
It may not be a rule, like you'll think, oh, this is another rule to obey. No, it's like a line on a tennis court that if you stay within them, you get to enjoy the game. But every time you cross them, it's not fun anymore because no one wants to play. Okay, so don't ever think of rules in the home, children, okay, as being restrictive. Okay, rules in the home are there for your enjoyment and most important, well, enjoyment's important, but also for your protection. Do you understand? Do you lock your front door at night? Okay, why do you do that? Is it because you want to protect those on the inside? Right, okay. So sometimes mums and dads have to like lock a room or say you're not going there or you're not doing that. Why? Because they want to protect. They want to protect. Make sense? Now let me ask a different question. Is there anything, this is for the children, not for the adults, because you might stump me, but is there anything that I've said that you haven't understood that you would like me to say again? Okay. Now, shall I? I'll tell you a little. I don't know how much time I have. How much do I have? Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Shall I tell you a little story? Now, I won't do this. I won't do this this week because you know we're still getting to know each other. But there's going to come a time in Sunday school where I'm going to ask the question: Did you understand what I say? And if you all go like this, I'm going to go, Quinn. What did I say? Okay, I'm going to give you a period of grace, but there will come a day where if you just nod your head and say, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm going to nod because I'm going to ask you re to repeat in summary form what I said, just to make sure that you have understood. Does that sound fair? But you're going to have a long period of grace. The, the younger children are going to have much longer. The adults get none. <laughs> Although adult you are, you are, uh, you're at Bible college now, Quincy. You get even less, I'm afraid. Um, okay. But let's, let me summarize then if I, if I can. If you remember the story of the golden calf, what you remember is that the people of God decided that they wanted to relate to God in the way that they wanted to. They, they, they knew who brought them out of Egypt. They knew who did all the miracles. They, they didn't believe for a second that it was this golden calf. But what they decided to do was relate to the true God in a way that God did not permit. Okay? And so when you know who, who you are relating to, you know how to relate to that person. That's how it works. And of course, the moment, to, to go back to Jeremiah's question, the moment you use language that doesn't reflect the true relationship, you are then saying either to God or to the person that you're relating to, I am making you in a different image than who you really are. You're doing the golden calf all over again. That's what you're actually doing. Does that make sense? Can you see that picture? Can you see how striking it is? Yeah. Let me pray. Father God, I want you to bless uh, every boy and girl here, every mum and dad here, every auntie, uncle, father, brother, sister, all the relations that we can possibly think of. I had to ask Father God your blessing to be upon them and that we would remember that in order for us to love you properly, faithfully and truthfully, we have to know who you are. And we can only know who you are by reading your word and coming before you. We also, Father God, would ask that in order for us to know how to love our mum and dad properly and to honour them, 
we have to read your word and see what a mum and dad is. And the same for every other relationship, husband, wife, parent, child, auntie, uncle, master, slave, the lot. So Father God, we would ask for your grace upon us this day to fulfill those commands in Jesus' name. Amen.